Welcome to a special episode of the Plow and Stars podcast. I am your host, Cat Dad, or Der Katzfutter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and find the podcast on Twitter. We're sad to announce that Comrade Pei has taken a leave of absence from the podcast due to her extremely difficult work schedule. She's now working 80 or so hours a week. Uh, and for today, I'm going to record a piece of work done by the RIS cadre, uh, specifically uh, written by myself and then polished and proofread by all of our RIS members. This has been adopted as an official RIS statement, and this is concerning the trial of Derek Chauvin. This is the state sacrifice of Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin murdered an innocent man. He is a state-sanctioned executioner, one of the Legion in Blue that serve as this country's garrison police. On April 20th, 2021, he was offered up as a sacrifice to protect the evil system he serves. Like the ancient scapegoat, Chauvin is being given as an expiation for all the problems of policing in the U.S. settler empire. There are no problems, the pundits scream, only individual bad actors. Nancy Pelosi thanked George Floyd for being executed, glorifying his murder as a heroic sacrifice necessary to finally bring about racial justice in the United States. Where the bourgeois capitalist state rarely even charges its monstrous minions in blue, Derek Chauvin was not only charged, but brought all the way to conviction through a vigorous prosecution that broke the infamous wall of blue silence by putting on other officers to testify against him. As the verdict was read out, a police officer in Columbus, Ohio, shot Makia Bryant to death. She was a 16-year-old black girl who had called the police department for help. The Chauvin verdict is a fig leaf on a 400-year-old institution, the enslavement, brutalization, and murder of the black nation that was created within the United States, not by its own choice, but by the forcible capture, deportation, and murder of millions of black slaves from the coasts of Dahomey and other African countries who were forced to sell human chattel by the largely Portuguese, Spanish, Dutch, French, English, and yes, American slaver fleets. Turning to the trial. The Chauvin trial was held after 10 months of marches, 10 months of burning cities, 10 months of civil unrest, the likes of which the United States had never seen. Although they are the same grievances that the people have had against the government that oppresses them since its foundation, the George Floyd insurrection represents the repetition of those grievances on a higher basis the entire foundation of the U.S. settler empire was in jeopardy. The capitalist state, which is, in the ultimate reckoning of things, merely a glove for the fist of business and the interests of big capital, recognized the danger the Floyd slaying played. It was not, of course, that the murder of George Floyd was exceptionally brutal. These police executions happen every day. And it was brutal, but it was not an exception. The fact of the matter is that Chauvin would have executed Floyd and gotten away with it, if the entire murder hadn't been captured on camera and if the people had not risen up and said enough. Chauvin initially agreed to enter a plea to third degree murder for a sentence of more than 10 years, contingent on the fact that he would serve time in a federal prison and not face any civil rights violations. This plea deal was announced to waves of new mass action on the streets. Attorney General Barr had to approve, had to approve the deal, was required to approve the deal before it could happen because of the provision to house Chauvin in a federal prison. Instead, he quashed it. This was the first recognition by the criminal capitalist state that they couldn't afford to laugh off George Floyd's murder. Indictments are almost never handed down for killer cops. 
Eric Garland, Philando Castile, Brianna Taylor, Atatiana Jefferson, Ora Rosser, Stefan Clark, Alton Sterling, Freddie Gray, Janisha Fonville, Michelle Cousseau, Gabriela Navarez, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Tanisha Anderson. The majority of officers in these police murders were never even successfully indicted. And for those that were, they were acquitted at trial. The state of Minnesota's decision to prosecute Chauvin was not made in a vacuum, nor was it made in the interests of justice, for there is no justice under capital. It was made in recognition of the power of the people in the streets demanding accountability for killer police officers. The trial was unique in the history of police trials. The police were called to testify against one of their own. Even as they were doing this, the head of the union that represented Chauvin shot and killed 20-year-old Duante Wright not 10 miles from the courthouse. The video of Floyd's execution was played to the jury over and over again. The state received convictions on all three charged accounts, and it is noticeable that intentional murder was never charged, although the state certainly had the evidence to seek it. The jury deliberated for a mere 10 hours before returning a guilty verdict on all three charges. Many organizers and even some local mayors recognize that the conviction of Derek Chauvin is not the end of the story, but merely another step towards seeking justice. But the big U.S. politicians proclaimed victory and prepared to move on. This was the social purpose of the Chauvin trial and how the U.S. justice system works. By focusing intensely on the debate of the guilt or innocence of the individual, it purposefully obscures the system that put that individual in that place. Chauvin stood in for all U.S. policing. His conviction is seen as the conviction of the racist police. In reality, the entire institution of the U.S. is racist. And his punishment is seen as the cure for the systemic racism of U.S. capitalism. By, convince, by convicting Chauvin, the agents of the state and big capital hope that they can save the entire police system. This was explicitly the prosecutor's goal. They couched this as a pro-police prosecution and told the New York Times that it would improve policing everywhere if the individual bad actors were expelled from the system. As we have seen, even during the delivery of the verdict, Chauvin's punishment is actually meaningless to the system at large, which has continued and will continue to murder black and non-white people for the sake of capital, to break strikes, to suppress class consciousness, and to serve as the jackbooted heel of the US capitalist imperialist machine. Under capitalism, there is no justice. So long as capitalism exists, justice will be absent. Capitalism is predicated on the absence of justice, on the hoarding of resources by a few so they can wring the tortured labor out of the many. Justice is wholly incompatible with the capitalist system. It, it means that any attempt to manufacture justice under capitalism, no matter how well-intentioned, will inevitably run afoul of the disparity in wealth and resources between the ruling class and the ruled. Everyone is equal before the law, is the mantra we are given, but we know the truth. In its majestic equality, the law forbids both rich and poor alike to sleep under bridges, beg in streets, and steal loaves of bread. The rich constructed the system for themselves. Lawmakers are almost entirely from the petit bourgeois strata, that is, lawyers and doctors. By the time they become lawmakers, they have entered the haute bourgeois strata, they live off of passive investments and the non-productive work of their constituents. But they often retain much of their petite bourgeois ideology. They are moved like chess pieces by the big bourgeoisie, the big capitalists, through the levers of lobbying, campaign donations, etc. 
It is this petite bourgeois to bourgeois group that makes the laws, runs the courts, argues in those courts, writes the rules of evidence, and has set up the entire for-profit attorney system that prevails in the U.S. empire. Justice is openly and transparently for hire. A clique of powerful and wealthy people control access to justice, sit in the highest halls of justice, and determine who, when, and how there will be prosecution. Enormous corporations crush individuals with their immense resources, burying those who seek justice from them in landslides of paperwork, legal filings, and harassment from their retained attorneys, their attack dogs who they have on leashes. As long as capitalism exists, there can be no justice. As long as the U.S. settler empire exists, justice is an illusion maintained by this class fraction of lawmakers and capitalist police who are all in the employ of the big capitalists. Not even reform. Not even reform. We were not given even the slightest ounce of reform to temper the state sacrifice of Chauvin. Instead, more money will be pouring into police departments in the form of training and body cams and other such initiatives. Real police reform does not look like federal and state grants for police to expand their capacity to receive useless trainings they either won't pay attention to or which actively do harm. The fact is, the capitalist state has no interest or capacity in reform. Reforming the police to be non-aggressive, to put a stop to their wanton executions, to end their brutalization of black, indigenous, and non-white communities would be to deprive them of their entire purpose. It is not possible to reform a slave-catching force. That is why there has not been even the slightest effort to reform it in the wake of George Floyd's murder and their righteous insurrectionary violence that followed. But abolition is possible, and the road to socialism and the road to abolition are one and the same. Abolition is not merely the elimination of the capitalist police, but abolition of the social conditions that necessitate prisons. Thus, the only true abolition must include the abolition of social class, of the division into those who own and those who do not, of those who have power and those who do not. This road is paved first with revolutionary justice and the complete destruction of the old capitalist state. There can be no continuity with the capitalist forms of so-called justice, those post hoc rationalizations for state violence in the protection of property. What was George Floyd's crime? Allegedly a minor property crime of passing a bad $20 bill. This is the root of the carceral system. That system was designed to imprison the poor, to use debt as a, le a lever for labor, and to replace the old feudal corvée with imprisoned black slave labor. In the United States, it was designed as a replacement for the entire slave system, and the U.S. imperial prisons keep a vast population of enslaved men and women working for no wages. On the road to socialism, we will destroy the capitalist police, all political prisoners, that is, all guilty of non-white collar crimes and all those who come from the ranks of the proletariat, all racialized prisoners will be set free. Abolition is a process with the ultimate goal of constructing a society that does not incarcerate. The road must first pass through the gate of revolutionary justice in which those who prevent the construction of that society, the shattered remnants of the big capitalist class and their agents will be considered before revolutionary tribunals, not capitalist ones. The justice they receive will mark the threshold of restorative justice. It will set the stage and clear the way, the beginning of a new era. But many of those convicted before those tribunals 
will not live to see it.